Have you found yourself nervous about your investments? Many of us have this year. At the time of this recording, the S&P 500 is down 16% since the start of 2022. And the Dow Jones is down 11%. So what does that mean for all of us? Well, today on the Mach 1 Market Moment, we'll take a look at some of the complex issues causing this volatility and some of the things you might want to consider moving forward. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at Mach1FG.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach 1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to Mach1FG.com for more information. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. This is episode 101. Woohoo! We've made it. Have you been keeping an eye on the market in 2022? Are you checking your 401k every day, your investments? Well, a lot of people have, and we're not feeling a whole really great about it. So what's happening? In short, a lot. Here's a recent CBS interview summing up some of the issues at hand. Markets have been volatile for two reasons, and that's fears of a, fears of a recession and persistent inflation. Investors are worried about a, a recession because the Federal Reserve is consistently increasing interest rates, and this hits consumers' pocketbooks in terms of higher mortgage payments and higher costs to take out loans, and also hits corporations where their debt payments can become more expensive. Now, with inflation, the drivers behind that have been tight supply chains, also wage inflation. We don't have enough people coming back into the workforce to meet the demand for jobs. And we're also seeing spending on goods, which we saw during the pandemic when we bought more cars and more appliances. But now we're also spending on experiences such as travel and going to restaurants. All of those are driving inflation and that's what's causing the volatility to these markets. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's start with the interest rates. The Federal Reserve have raised interest rates twice already this year. There's a 25 basis point increase in March, followed by a 50% basis point here just recently. So what does that mean? Well, um, obviously, whenever the Fed raises interest rates, that that's going to have negative implications for the market, at least in the short term, right? Because it causes corporate debt payments to go up, right? If, if any corporation, a lot of corporations have debt in the form of bonds, right? So as interest rates go up, their debt service payments are going to go up, which means their net profits go down, which means their company is less valuable because their net profits are going to be expected to be lower. It also has an impact on, major impact on housing, right? Because as interest rates go up, people can afford less house. And let's face it, I mean, if we're a consumer spending driven economy, meaning 70 plus percent of our economy is based on consumer spending. A house is by far the largest item that most consumers will ever buy in their lifetime. So it's a major element of the economy. So if that slows down due to interest rate increases, that 
that's going to slow the market and the economy down. Well, Eli here just bought a house and recently married. And so when you buy a house, you don't just buy the house. What else do you buy along with it? You buy a loan. You buy a loan. <laughs> but yeah. then what do you do to furnish the house? Furniture. Furniture. Lawn tools. Stuff, Home Depot yeah. every other day. Appliances. Painting supplies. Appliance. So that creates even more demand. There's lots of consumer spending that is attached to the housing exactly. market. Exactly. So if, if that's tamped down, that slows the economy down. And that's the purpose of the rising interest rates. One thing you didn't mention, David, on the interest rates. What does that do to credit card interest rate? So, yeah, really, it's going to impact any kind of a variable rate loan, like an ARM adjustable rate mortgage. That You can expect those rates are going to be going up. And those are credit. dangerous right now. Yeah. People are wanting that low teaser rate for the first two to five years. That's right. But it, with rates going up, at the end of that two to five years, what's going to happen to that rate? Yeah, you, your rate's going to go up, and it could, you know, for some people, they could get caught in, in a mortgage that they can no longer afford. That's right. right. So yeah. right now is not the time to be going into an arm unless you're going to be in a house less than two or three years. I yeah. mean, if you're moving every two yeah. or three years, okay. I did that going in, in my past career. But if you're in it for a long haul, man, an arm is dangerous. You better be darn sure you're not going to be in it more than two or three years. That's a fact. So... Uh, so, yeah, any kind of variable rate debt, whether you're talking about credit cards, adjustable rate mortgages, uh, HELOC, home equity lines of credit, anything that, you know, where the rate can change, you can bet that those rates are going to be going up. Now, you mentioned HELOCs, home equity lines of credit. That's where you have you can draw money out at any point in time. That's different than a home equity loan where the rate is fixed. And so in this rising interest rate market, you want it fixed yes so you know exactly what that correct. payment's going to be correct. correct okay so rate rising interest rates is going to put a damper on consumer spending on the economy say. in general really mm -hmm. i mean that's kind of the whole goal right that's one of the that's why uh raising interest rates is one of the fed's primary weapons to try to combat inflation right they're tr essentially trying to slow down demand slow down whether it's housing purchases, appliance purchases, uh, and all the stuff that goes along with housing like we talked about earlier. Uh, they're trying to slow down demand, which can help to slow theoretically slow down inflation. Also, one other thing I want to mention, and, and then I'll switch, toss it to you here, Eli, because I can tell you're wanting to say something, <laughs> is uh, you, you mentioned earlier, Mike, that the Fed had raised rates a quarter point back in, what was that, January or February? I can't remember. Then they raised them 50 points. Now they're, you know, we, I think, based on articles I'm reading, they're going to be forced to raise them another 75 basis points probably pretty soon. So there's no, and that's part of what's causing the instability in the market right now is because it's kind of difficult to impossible to ascertain how much further and how much faster the Fed is going to need to raise rates to get inflation under control. Mm -hmm. And exactly what the, the language that you're using right now, David, the words like, I think, yeah. and and we, we we think that they might do this. That's exactly what is being priced into the market right now is is the institutional investors are guessing and, and hoping that what their guesses are are correct. And that's what's causing some of the sell-off in the market right now is there's so much uncertainty around what could happen on interest rate hikes and the, the repercussions from that going into consumer spending and, and corporate spending as well as investor spending. Well, it's just being priced into the market. It's uncertain. Yep. And the markets hate uncertainty. That's right. They hate it. Okay, let's move on to inflation. Inflation, that's not a big deal. Not much going on with inflation, right? I mean, it's, it's 
what is it these days, Eli? I mean, this is the highest inflation in your lifetime. I don't know. It's just a gas tank that costs about $120 is what <laughs> <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gas here, last night I drove by a station, regular gas is over $4 a gallon. Yeah. I've never seen I, I read an article earlier today, I think it was, that said I think we're within one penny here in Arkansas of all-time uh, record high gas prices. I don't ever remember uh, as far as the statewide average. Yeah, That's yeah. Just, the nation yeah. average is the highest it's ever yeah. been right now. Yeah. So, so inflation. So, so what is inflation, Eli? Give us a textbook answer. It's it's your money being worth less and goods costing more. So yeah. you go to the grocery store, you have to spend more. You go to the gas station, you have to spend more. You go to buy anything, most things you're gonna have to spend a little bit more right now. In a very real way, it's a tax on everybody. Everybody. Right. I mean, that's I, that's how I would kind of summarize what I think inflation is at its core, at least to the impact that it has. It's a tax on everybody. We were talking about this um, before the podcast started. You know, we we talked about the rule of 72. You've heard us talk about that before on this show where you divide the number 72 by your rate of return, and that's how many years it takes for your money to double. So let's give a quick, quick example of that. So if you invest your money at 7.2%, it will double in 10 years. Right, because 7.2 goes into 72 10 times, so it'll take 10 years for it to double. We can apply that same uh, rule to inflation, right? If inflation is at 7.2 and it stayed that way for 10 years, that means it would take double the amount of income 10 years from now to, to have the same lifestyle that it takes today. So in other words, if your lifestyle is $5,000 a month, if inflation stayed at 7.2 for 10 years, it would take $10,000 a month to live at a $5,000 a month lifestyle in today's dollars. Now, if you want some good news, it's not 7.2%. It's, <laughs> it's 8.3. Yeah. So that means it only takes about eight, nine years yeah. for yeah. it to double. Yeah. So well, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. However, I don't want to, you know, people to be unnecessarily panicked. Yes, we all know that inflation is bad right now. Um, I continue to believe that the, the main culprit of what got us here was shutting down an economy essentially for the most part shutting down the world not just the u.s shutting down the world economy for the bulk of a two-year period that created all this pent-up demand and that's also a way you would define inflation is an you know inflation can can be said to be caused by um you know an infinite demand chasing a finite supply so we've got problems on the demand side and the supply side right now right the demand side, because of pent up, you know, a pent up economy closed down for two years. The supply ch- side, because of same thing, people being shut down at their homes, factories being shut down, factories aren't aren't producing the supplies of products that the economy needs to function. So you've got an almost infinite demand chasing a finite supply, and we see the inflation problems that we have here today. So. As I said earlier, I don't want people to think, oh, my gosh, you know, woe is me. The sky is falling. It's going to be this way forever. We can't, while we can't predict the future with any kind of certainty, eventually this too shall pass, right? Just like, you know, we all know, those of you listening, if you've lived long enough, you know that good times don't always stay good. But the good news is bad times don't always stay bad either. If, if, if we look at the cycles. market, if you yeah. go back and just look at the history of the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, you can see, we, we gave this example a couple of weeks ago. In 1980, from 1980 to 1990, that's some of the highest inflation we had. The market tripled from 80 to 1980 to 1990. It tripled, even though it was bad times. My interest rate on my first house in 1983 is 14%. And people are whining about 5%. Well, and Eli. 
So yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know I, I see a lot of parallels. I've I've used this quote on this show before. Will Rogers used to say, "History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes." <laughs> you see a lot of parallels between what's happening today, and what happened the last time we saw high inflation at the end of the '70s. You had, you know, whether you want to agree or disagree, most most people. I think are in agreement that the Carter administration was one of the worst administrations in the nation's history. You that's when you saw the inflation start to really ramp up. You saw the oil crisis that we went through. Then as a result of that incompetent administration, what did the American people do? They went out and elected Ronald Reagan who eventually through good economic policies, they they did have to using the Fed. They had to really ramp mm-hmm. up interest rates. Aggressively, they had to go aggressively, right, Eli? Mm-hmm. I mean, and we had to go through a period of pain. But then, as soon as they got inflation under control, what they do? Rates were back down. Rates went way back down, mm-hmm. like way down. And then that, Mike, is what resulted in the economy or the stock market tripling in value over the next decade after that. So. So the pendulum does, at least in the United States, at least historically, the pendulum has had a, a way of kind of finding its way back to equilibrium. So that's why I think I don't want people to think, you know, the sky is falling. It's never this is the end. Uh, this is the end of the world as we know it, to quote that song. You know, I don't think that will happen. I think that the American electorate will start to realize the error of their ways, hopefully, Lord willing, and start to, you know, the the. Um, the pendulum will swing back towards conservatism and you'll start to see good economic policies coming back into play and things will start to self-correct. And we're going to talk before the end of the show here, what this really means for the listener. So let's go about a couple more things. We talked about Russia and Ukraine and what's going on over there. Uh, we, we are in a time of war over there. Uh, you know, they just had their May day and they are celebrating all this and, you know, Putin's blaming the U S because of the war. So we don't know how it's going to end up, depending on who you talk to. You know, the Russians seem to be taking up control of the southeast. Uh, looks like the Ukraines have kind of pushed them out from the, the middle of the country. Uh, but who really knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that's difficult today, at least for me. It's hard to know. It's hard to discern truth right now, right? And, you know, there's a old you know, you guys know about my military background. Those of you listening probably know about that. Uh, I can remember way back in my military days even being taught that in war the first thing the first casualty is truth (laughs) because both sides are engaged in propaganda right and so that's why that's part of why I think it's so hard to ascertain what's really going on because I read some articles that make me think man the Ukrainians are just crushing the Russians and there there there's some stories I read that make me think well no Russians Russia's about to take over Ukraine any day now and we expected it to be a short-term thing, but here's turned into, I don't know, it's what, two, three months going on now? Yeah. Um, so it, it will affect food prices because Ukraine and Russia, the breadbasket of the world, a lot of our wheat comes out of there. So that, that will impact food cost. Mm-hmm. Eli? And, and that, again, is causing more uncertainty in the market. And that's, that's just the, the theme of this show is, well, the markets are uncertain. So in this uncertain time, well, we're experiencing a downturn or a sell-off in the market. I hope that one good thing, and I don't say this to mitigate all the tragedy that's going on over in Ukraine, is hopefully America is seeing that we need to bring more of our factories back to yeah. America. And, yeah. and this may spark a, a 
revolution, so so called, yeah. to bring more business back into it. But that's not a short term yeah. plan either. Instead of continuing this march towards globalism, hopefully mm-hmm. it'll at least at least throttle that back a little bit and start to say, hey, there's a lot of wisdom in being able to produce our own goods and services right here at home. Amen. All right. So this is what all y'all been waiting on. So where does the market go from here? All right, David, I see you got your crystal ball out there. It looks a little <laughs> cloudy from my viewpoint. So what are you seeing? You know, um, I read an article. Uh, I've been re- I read a lot, but um, I just read an article today that I th- makes sense to me. I think the most uh, rational prediction that I can come up with right now would be that we probably do have a mild recession this year, probably later in 2022, um, because we know, and we've talked about this also on some previous podcasts, we know some from of some of the, just because of being in this community, let's put it that way, because of being in this community where Walmart is, we know just from people we talk to that we're going to see continued price increases in retail over the summer. That is going to continue to put more pressure on the consumer, which I think is very likely to result in a recession. The other reason why I believe that is because remember, the market is never, the stock market is not an indicator of how the economy is doing. It's an indicator of how the economy is likely to be doing in the relatively near future. It's an economic forecasting engine. Well, the fact that the S&P, or the, not the S&P, the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000 are already down about 25, 30% since November, that is a good for a good indicator, a relatively reliable indicator that you can bet that there's going to be recession this year. So that's my best um, bet. Hopefully, it, it will be a mild recession. That's what I personally believe. It'll be a mild recession this year. Then, as the supply chain starts to heal uh, in 2023, the market will start to recover, and it'll be a good time in the market again. Thank you for that uplifting prediction. So, <laughs> <laughs> but for the, it's serious. That's what it is. But for most people, most people listen to this podcast. I mean, so if we look at the market, David, you, you talk about a potential recession. So let, let's use the analogy of a home. So you own your home. Okay. Right now it's worth, let's make up a number, $200,000. And we go into a mild recession. All right. So your house price may go down to, 190, 180, but does it affect you if you don't sell your house? Absolutely not, right? Absolutely not. It's an asset value, right? And you shouldn't be concerned about, asset values are naturally gonna ebb and flow over time based on economic conditions. So what you don't wanna happen to you in a, to use your example of a housing situation, you don't wanna get in a situation where you're forced to fire sell, right? because you're in a mortgage that you can't afford or whatever, where you have to take the first offer that comes along just so that you can get out from under a debt that you can't afford. It's the same way in the market, right? You don't want to have too much of your eggs in the market where your all of your income and everything is dependent upon it so such that you're losing sleep or you feel like you're going to run out of money too fast because that will inevitably lead you to that fire sell situation where you're like, I can't take it anymore. I can't take the heat. I'm getting out. And that inevitably will cause you to make a decision to get out at or near the bottom of the markets. That's what history shows us. And then to use your, I'm going to do the other side of that fence. So if you are sitting there and you have cash reserves and this house or this equity comes on the market at a sale price, 
man, if you're you're in a buyer's market, that's dude, right. You can pick up some deals. That's right. And, and that's where we're at. We're in a buyer's market. The market is down. Stop market is down. If we keep moving forward with the housing analogy, it's who, who were the people that made out like bandits in two thousand, late two thousand eight, two thousand nine? People who had cash and bought up properties while they were cheap. Exactly. Exactly. The people who were able to purchase the assets when they were at a lower level, knowing that at some point it, they were going to go back to revert back to where they were over a, a period of time. If you have cash right now, you can look at buying stocks. You can look at dollar cost averaging throughout the year. If, you, if your projections are bad for the rest of the year, well, maybe just put it in monthly yep. that you, you start investing monthly and dollar cost average down. There's, there's many different ways to slice the cake, That's but right selling your assets that are currently depreciated that's <laughs> not, not that's not a strategy that that's an emotion that's a bad that's thing. right that's an emotion that's a good way to put it well and, and the market does have a way of averaging things out again we go back to the 1980s high inflation rate but within 10 years it had tripled yeah so is it going to triple every year no, no we've that's had several great years you know 10 20 percent increases and now this is normal if we average it all out over a 10-year period, we're going to see that this is normal. So we don't want to knee-jerk react to anything. We That's need right. to have a plan, and these things will work themselves out. Okay. It, okay. It's kind of funny when, when meeting with clients. We've built out plans most of the time before retirement, averaging about 7% is what we project, and then in retirement about 5%. Yep. Well, before this recession, almost all of them were – 10% significantly plus, outpacing that. significantly yeah. outpacing it now that the downturn has come well now we're, we're looking more to what we were anticipating that's right and it feels worse but this is exactly what we were predicting that's right. and, so and to, you, to your point Mike markets have a way of averaging themselves out over time so if you have a period of time where the market is you know like like look at 2000 what was it pride uh late 2019 all the way to early 2022 mm -hmm. the market went up almost 100 mm -hmm. percent over that period of time that's unsustainable unsustainable so you can i mean the unfortunate truth is we you know we don't have a crystal ball so we can't look at it and say well now is the time you know it's gone up 100 percent. now's the time to get out and wait until the market resets to its average because just like markets can remain irrationally negative for for a while they can also remain irrationally positive for a while and you don't want to miss out on so the the time-tested proven strategy that works every time is to diversify and wait but you can only do that like we said earlier if you aren't putting yourself in a fire sale situation where you're forced to sell because you've got all your eggs there and you don't have sufficient liquidity to get through a, a bad period in the market got to have that emergency fund that's right if we didn't learn anything else from 2020 having a stockpile of cash is so important okay now we get to the point of what does that mean for our listener okay well it really depends on their age and what stage of life so here we are you know i'm getting ready to retire eli's just starting his career you know if i still had a mortgage fortunately i don't i wouldn't want to be paying extra on it right now with if a fixed rate is low inflation going crazy we don't know what's going on in the market i don't want to be paying extra on my mortgage now eli I, I'm not sure he'd be a good candidate to be paying extra on his mortgage. I'd be piling up that cash yeah, because that mortgage is fixed and yeah. most likely fixed at a lower rate than the inflation rate is at this point. Yeah, and, and I'm not looking to retire here in the next five or ten years. And, and most of the time, we hope that retirees have their large 
large debts paid off like a house mortgage. But to your point, yes, each each situation is different for someone in the accumulation stage like me. Well, I'm just going to stick to the plan of still contributing on a consistent basis and dollar cost averaging into the market. For And it's hard to do. I, several clients have emailed says, okay, what should we do with my 401k? You stay invested because this too shall pass. Five years from now, you're going to wish, oh man, I wish I'd stayed invested in that That's right. little equity. So stay to the plan, but do have that cash reserve. You know, most of our assets, most of our strategies are hedged. Dave, you want to talk a little bit about the, about the hedge and what they do and don't do? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've always explained it kind of like an insurance contract because in a lot of ways that is what it is. You pay a premium uh, that allows, if you're buying a put option, you pay a premium for a contract that essentially allows you to sell whatever it is you're hedging against at a predetermined price, no matter how low the price of that thing goes. Uh, so what it, what it effectively does, is it helps to mitigate. It is not a stop loss. It is a loss mitigator. It helps to mitigate loss. Once markets go below the strike price, we strike price. We typically set that strike price eight to 10% below whatever the current market level is. So the market would have to drop eight to 10% before we would start to see significant loss mitigation from the hedge. Then as the market continues to go down further and further, on higher volatility, we see kind of exponentially rising uh, values on that put option. In other words, it begins to offset more and more or mitigate more and more loss as the market accelerates down. We can then use that to our advantage once the market starts rising to sell that put for a profit and buy stocks while they're cheap. Because like you said earlier, Mike, in this type of market, it's a good time to buy. But but in order to buy, you got to have cash. Got to have cash. Unless you've hedged then you can convert the hedge into cash and use the cash to buy without having to add cash to the portfolio. And for some folks, the hedging piece, you know, the recent history is, man, the market's been doing great. Why, why do I need the hedge? We're, we're just always going right. up. Right. Well, 2020 taught us a real good reason why, and now we're experiencing another. So always being hedged. None of you would think, if you own your own home, none of you would say, you know what? A tornado's never hit my house, so I'll just not have my homeowner's insurance. Right. None of us would do that, and we think the same thing with our investments. How about some cash? What? So I get people calling, man, I got an extra $5,000. Think I should put it in the market? What would you tell them, Eli? Well, that depends. <laughs> <laughs> the, the infamous answer that you hate to hear, it, it just depends on how much cash do you have outside of that cash that you're speaking about. We, typically, for someone in retirement, we're looking at one to two years that we'd like to have in reserve, in cash reserves just for the safety of, of this. You could also have it in an annuity where you know you could get 10% out, so you could, you could have a little bit of comparison there. But it just depends. If you have significant cash, okay, we can put it in the market now. Kind of a rule of thumb I tell folks is if you need that money in the next five years, whether you're going to buy a house, buy a car, college, whatever it is, you should not put it in the market because you could end up something like this, and now it's worth less when you need to go buy whatever that thing is you mm -hmm. wanted to buy. All right, so kind of a five-year rule. Well, and that, that also kind of applies to how we recommend fixed annuities and index annuities to our retiree clients. Um, we typically want to solve for income first, right? Make sure that we've got all of your income needs first. Why is that so important? Well, it relates to everything we've talked about here on today's podcast. You don't want to get yourself in a fire sell situation where everything's in the market, the market drops, you're still taking money, monthly income out of a falling market, and it's, it's going to run out a lot faster. So 
we want to solve for income first using annuities um, and have you know several years worth of cash perhaps also in annuities then everything else can be invested in the market but we would still recommend hedging in that case so the combination of hedged equity strategies along with annuities annuities are just another way to hedge the portfolio so if you've got your equities hedged with options and you know another third to half of your portfolio hedged with annuities you've got a really solid retirement portfolio well you know i hear you the word annuity uh, david and and i listen to a lot of podcasts and there's one podcaster out of Atlanta. He's huge. If, if anybody says that word <laughs> on his podcast, he calls it a cuss word. So if, if, if you hear this word annuity and you're like, oh, no, think of it this way. Think of it as a personal pension. Uh, I personally have that. I know that we do that a lot with some of our clients. We create you a personal pension using annuities, and you're going to get a guaranteed stream of income for the rest of your life. And that with Social Security and any other pensions you might have, our goal, like David said, is to solve for your income first. If you've got all that, then you can withstand whatever the market's doing, up or down. Okay. So, uh, Eli, are you anxious? Are you a little bit scared? Are you changing uh, people's asset mix now? <laughs> I don't know if you, you've listened, <laughs> but no, never have we said people need to sell. Right now, there. This is just. It's not the time. There, there could be a time that it is to sell. That there is an opportunity to sell and, and reallocate somewhere else. Now is not that time. So no, I'm not. I'm nowhere near saying it's time to get out. It's time to move to to cash. No, by no means. If there's some of you that saying, you know what, I'm thinking about retiring next year or two. Uh, again, we wouldn't want to sell, but we really want to start looking at how do we put some of that cash aside mm -hmm. and set it aside and have it there just in case we have another crazy market like this. And we will. We just don't know when or how bad. Okay. What about alternative investments? Which one y'all want to take that on? I get this question all the time. Well, what about Bitcoin? What so, about gold? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I think we've talked a lot about Bitcoin. If you have any questions on that, reference our earlier podcast. By the way, it's down 50%. Yeah, yeah, suffice to say we don't recommend Bitcoin. But another, when I think of alternative investments, a lot of times what I think about is real estate investment trust. And I'm, by the way, I'm not opposed to investing in real estate. I think real estate is a really good investment for a portion of your portfolio. I think it ought to be part of a portfolio, assuming you've got a large enough portfolio where you can own it outright, not in a real estate investment trust. That's just my personal opinion. Um, the reason is maybe I'm jaded. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of uh, horror situations with REITs where you can't get out of them. They become illiquid. You can't. They stop paying their dividends, and you can't get the money out. It's effectively the net equivalent of having a hundred percent loss in it. So. Amen. I would stay I away. T-shirt on that one. Yeah, I would. I personally recommend staying away for the most part from the so-called alternative investments. I'd recommend, you know, if you've got a multi-million-dollar portfolio, I'd recommend 20, 25 percent in real estate, 25 percent in fixed annuities, um, you know, a good portion in hedged equity. Um, you know, that that's going to be a pretty good diversified portfolio. All right, so let's put a bow on this. So, so the market is bad. It's bad this year. We got it right. We understand that. So how do you mitigate that? Where you hedge to make sure we don't have those catastrophic losses. So we get that. Inflation. Inflation is bad. Yeah. But what beats inflation? Well, being in the market. That's right. The other thing we, we talked about is you need a cash reserve. 
I mean, especially for times like this, you don't want to be selling your Walmart stock when it was at a high of 146 and now it's, I don't know what it is now, but you don't want to sell it when it's on sale. You want to, you want to buy it when it's on sale. You don't want to be the seller. So you need to have that cash reserve to get through these, these rough patches and, and, and don't panic. This is, there's nothing new under the sun. That's right. This has happened before. We've been here before, not exactly like this, and but we've lived through it. So don't panic. And that kind of goes to the thought of the day I have for today. And it says this, anxiety and stress are like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. Anxiety and stress are like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. The key, like we said on all of our 101 podcasts, have a plan, monitor that plan, adjust the plan, but stick to the plan. Don't let what's crazy going on in Ukraine or in the stock market make you change your plan. We go ahead and bulletproof those as we develop the plan. We used an example a couple weeks ago about a house in Florida. You know in Florida you're going to have hurricanes. So you prepare for You build the house to withstand the hurricane. And that's what we do here at Mach 1. We build your portfolio to withstand things that's going on just like today. That's right. Parting thoughts. Eli. This was great. Eli, Eli's <laughs> been married for almost a week and a half now. It's still going good? Mm-hmm. If you need any advice, I'm happy to give it. <laughs> <laughs> David, any parting shots? For no, I mean, today? I think you, you hit the nail on the head. This too shall pass. The, the, the uh, market will start to get better again after a period of, of correction. And by the way, you know, periods of correction are necessary and helpful, and they can be healing. Um, and so, uncomfortable. And uncomfortable all at the same time. But if you've prepared for it, like you talked about, you shouldn't have to stress and don't panic over it. For those of you listening, know of someone that's panicked through all this and they don't have a plan, share this with them. Share the podcast with them. Let them listen to it. They want to give us a call or some fiduciary financial advisor. They need to sit down and get a plan. Well, that's it for episode 101. We look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-1financial.com slash disclosures.